Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, today I'm reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. And it says, They went across to the lake, to the region of Garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an unpure spirit came from the tombs to meet them. This man lived in the tombs and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones when he saw jesus from a distance he ran fell on his knees in front of him he shouted at the top of his voice what do you want with me jesus son of the most high god in god's name do not torture me for jesus had said come out of this man you impure spirit then jesus asked him what is your name my name is legion he replied for we are many and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of that area. That's an important piece. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Hey, today... I'm hoping that you uh you take notes and I think that's important and every single Sunday I'm gonna ask you to take notes but today I'm asking you to open your heart a little bit and sometimes that might mean that you have to put your pen down for a second and, and just listen but today I'm hoping that you will open up your heart um, as I preach to you from this subject or this idea going thrifting going thrifting come on would you pray with me um, Father we love you God uh on the heels of we believe it's going to be a miracle. Um, we're not excited uh, about the people that are going to come to know Jesus next Sunday. We're not just excited, Lord God, of the fellowship, the relationships that are going to be built um, around some bounce houses, Lord God. Father, we're excited for today. Because, Father, we believe that you're going to speak to our hearts. And Father, where we find, even if we find ourselves, Lord God, in the tombs, bound hand and foot, Lord God, away from community, broken, Lord God. Or if we're the people on the other side, Lord, that we're on the boat watching you as you deal with this. Father, I pray that you would teach us. Let my words decrease, Lord. Let your words increase, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that every plan of the enemy, Lord, to try to distract us, to bind us, to choke this seed, Lord God, to burn it up, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would thwart it and that you would cast it out, Father. And help us today, Lord God, to be able to listen to this message clearly and let us respond, Lord God, in faith, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together if you're expecting a word from God today? Come on, we're going thrifting today, y'all. Have you ever seen a, a packaging of something that it looked one way, but it terrified you? I, I'll, I'll, I'll explain um there my wife and i didn't even tell her i was gonna do this but god bless you you're an illustration every week um my wife uh she has a superpower my my wife can be and and if you know her then you know that this is lydia we can be in mid-conversation at the house 
and we have like this little lazy boy or our couch. Our couch is like, it, it feels like clouds from heaven. But she can be sitting there. And my wife, as she's talking to you mid-conversation, if you give my wife about a good 60 seconds, she'll hit the snore button on you quick, bro. She has this superpower, but bro, she just falls asleep like... I mean, like, I'm here, I'm having a conversation with her, and in mid-convo, we're, like, laying in the bed, and you know you have those moments where you just pause for a minute because you want to think. You know, I ask the question, and I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. And I, 60 seconds! I mean, a minute, bro! And I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, thinking about it, and I'm like, babe, you know what? That actually makes sense. And then I look over her, and she, does, she doesn't have a big snore. She has a cute snore. It's like... I have a scary one. I have one of those like behind the tombs type snore. But my wife, she has a cute one. Uh, when she's sleeping, she gets into these deep sleeps. So, I mean, you got to be careful with my wife. Um, as my son was not, my son Ramses, uh, he, he, at this point, he had, uh, he, he's a grown boy. My son is about, is he here? No, Ramses isn't here. Oh, I can talk about him good. He's probably my size. I'll still whoop him though. But he's probably almost my size. And my son, he has this bad nightmare where he's scared, right? And we've always told him, if you ever have, you know, you ever scared, just come to the room, you know, but not when you're almost six feet tall. But he decides to go, and my wife is knocked out, dude. So here, get the picture. The room is pitch black, and my son slowly opens the door and slowly walks to my wife. And he stands next to him and whispers, Mom, Mom. And bro, Lydia, it was an increment. She goes, uh Oh, 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 bro, and I mean at the top of her lungs. Ramses is like, screw the dream. I'm scared of my mom. <laughs> Levi, I think it was probably, was it last week sometime? Levi last week sometime. Lydia does the same thing. She's knocked out. And it's probably 8 o'clock at night, dog. It's a superpower. It's probably 8 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching TV, right? <laughs> and as I'm watching TV, Levi, again, he goes to his mom and he's <laughs> And he's like, he just doesn't feel good. So he's like asking for medicine. And he creeps up to her. <laughs> Ma, Ma. And again, bro, it's like increments. So mind you, I'm watching TV and all I hear is, oh, 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 ah, ah, screaming. I got a little hood in me. So I, I ain't got a pistol, but I got a knife. I got something. So I'm like, I'm running over there to find out what's happening. Like, who? And Levi is running out of the room laughing, bro. He's like laughing at his mom. And Lydia's like, I mean, just infuriated. Don't talk to me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments where the packaging initially, it just terrifies you. But then you're like, oh, okay. I see, you know, when you used to walk home as a kid and you walked a little bit and you just. And then more, you just started skipping because you were like, what is that? Kids don't walk home anymore. This is a horrible illustration for kids. This is for us when we was in the hood and we would walk. Or you weren't in the hood, but you would walk. And, and then you, before you know it, you're like sprinting at full speed. You're going home because you think there's people chasing you. We find this man that is hidden behind these tombs. And this man is back here behind these tombs and he's been bound and all of this stuff. The Bible says Jesus and his disciples, they just came from a fun day. Go read chapter 4 of Mark. They just came from a fun day on the lake. And they're, they're coming back and they get to the shore. And when they get to the shore, all of a sudden this guy just comes out. And Lord knows what he looked like. <laughs> Some walking dead type stuff. The Bible says that Jesus gets out of the boat, not the disciples. You got this, Lord. 
the disciples, the disciples, they didn't get out of the boat. I can only imagine the night that they had, that they were probably sleeping. And all of a sudden, as soon as they wake up, they're greeted by this demon-possessed man that starts walking to them. And it's insane because even as you start thinking about this, you begin to see some clues. We're not told his name. We're told what he does, and I'll show it to you at the end of the message, but we don't know his name. All we know is that he's the demon-possessed man, and this man is walking in from the tombs. Very little is known about him. Just a few things I'm going to share with you today. Number one, the Bible says that he lived amongst the tombs, that he lived in a space where he was just far from everybody around dead things, and he just lived here. Hey, if you're watching online, just come back and watch again. You see me? Hi. How you doing? But he lived amongst these tombs. And where you live usually creates how you live. I mean, your living conditions usually condition who you are, right? So, I mean, certain places will instruct you and show you, depending on where you live, nine times out of ten. There's some anomalies to this, so this is not a 100% deal. But where you live, if your family is a family that is always joking and laughing, Pretty much, you're probably going to be joking and laughing. You know what I mean? There's certain families that everybody in your, in, your, uh, in your family, they're all law enforcement officers. So your dream, your hope, your desire sometimes is that you become a law enforcement officer. Everything around you is very structured. I mean, everything is punctual. If you're a military family, then you know it was like, yo, make up your bed. I, I need to bounce a dime off of it. Like all of that stuff. Where you live usually kind of constructs and it molds how you live. Me and my kids, we have a thing at our house where we, there's no lying in our family. So my kids, hopefully, my desire is that they will grow up with this sense of honesty, this sense of moral character that they're not going to lie. And we have extreme punishment when they lie. But the reason why is because I'm trying to teach them. Where you live will usually mold how you live. That's the reason why we're very intentional even in the church. Because there's your home that you have that's your physical home where you and your family come. And then there's your church home. And this church is not built upon family, I mean, a bunch, a bunch of church members. We try to make this as much of a family as we can. And I love how we look. We're diverse. We have different age groups. But we're all a part of the body of Jesus Christ. This is what heaven is going to look like. And the reason why we're constructing everything, reason why we have vision, why we want people to know God, have a relationship with him, why we want them to, dis- I mean, to find their freedom. We want them to find freedom in their life and deal with their yesterday and close the door on their yesterday. The reason why we want them to discover their purpose, what they were created for, and then to actually make a difference and do everything that God asked them to do. The reason why we have that vision is because we want you to be able to take it and not use Sundays as a horoscope or a place. This, doesn't, this isn't a crack house where we can sit here in a crack house. Horrible example, Chino. But this isn't a place where you come to worship and you feel good. Oh, Akuna Matata. You do the jerking and the shaking and you experience the Holy Spirit so that you can get high. The reason why we do these things is so you may be filled so that you can be spilled. Our vision is all about empowering you so that you can live out what we talk about. Every message that's here is for you to examine it, for you to internalize it, and for you to demonstrate it, for you to walk out what we're talking about. Because your church home is always going to develop who you live on the outside. So the reason why we teach these messages is for you to be able to grab them and then live these things out. But then there's another home. That I think many of us live in. And that that home is is this one right here. And we live here. And I mean, you could be in full conversation. That's why my wife goes to sleep so fast. Because I'm talking to her and she's like thinking. She's like in deep thought of the Lord. But this right here, some of y'all live in here way too much. Some of y'all can't get out of this thing right here. That's why you're driving in your car and you pull up to the house and you're like, 
How did I get here? How did I get here? Did I kill somebody? <laughs> you don't remember. Some of y'all, y'all take showers. <laughs> and you're in the shower and you're like, did I bathe myself? You're laughing because you know it's true. You look at the soap, you look at the wash rag, you're like, I don't know if I took a shower. Did I do my shampoo? I don't remember. Because our minds are going so much. And a lot of the times our minds are going to this place that if I'm honest with you, it's a dead space. And your mind is among tombs. And your mind is among dead places. Because you're still thinking about how he did that to you. Because you're still thinking about how I can't do this or how many mistakes I made. So now every time that you go to a new job, you're bringing along these dead things with you because you think that they're going to fire you. And you're ready for you to mess up so that they can fire you. And everywhere you go, you just bring these things with you. And every time you're in a conversation, I forgot who I was talking about this. Every time that you're in a round table and a bunch of people are talking and the moment that you say something, you sit back and you're like, I'm such an idiot. Why did I say that? Because you're bringing back all these dead experiences into it. For some of us who you're single and you may have been from relationship to relationship. For some of us, we may be married and we had past experiences and you're dragging these dead things and you're constantly just bringing them into your relationships. And you feel like they're going to do the same thing that this person did. And you're holding on to these past experiences and your mind is living amongst the tombs. You might have a pretty house. Your lawn may be cut very well. But man, your mind is in this place, man, that has to get out of it. For some of us, man, lust, sexual perversion, sexual experiences, these things that are dead. Number one, God has forgiven you. If you repented of them, God has forgiven you. You don't have to bring these things into your next relationship. You don't have to bring them into tomorrow. You can actually let those things go. But what happens is that we begin to grab them. Since I messed up yesterday, I might mess up today. And since I made these mistakes, I am a mistake. And you're beginning to walk and you're beginning to bring these dead things. And we're living in these dead places. It's quiet. It sounds like a Catholic church. What will happen is that if you live in that space, you'll begin to watch. The Bible says that this man, he was bound head and, head and foot, and he would break these chains. And the Bible says that no one can subdue him, that there was no one that was able to grab him. There was no one that was able to tame him. And what will end up happening is that the more that we live in these spaces, into these dead spaces, the more that we start shunning people. And the more that we start listening to people, and before you know it, you don't need community. So it's not just about you going to church. All of a sudden, it's not that I don't need church. I don't need a group of people. I don't need my mom. I don't need my husband. I don't need my friends. I don't need my kids. I don't need anybody. And before you know it, you're becoming a recluse where slowly but surely, you're pushing everyone away. And what it is is that everybody tries to bind you. Oh, why don't you come to church plus one Sunday? I'm not going to church. I'm not doing that stuff. And before you know it, you're pushed to a place, man, where you have no community. You're isolated. You're by yourself, and it's just you and your thoughts and your thoughts are killing you the reason they're killing you something that we always say from this platform is that there's no one in your life that has lied more to you there's no one in your life that has hurt you more there's no one in your life that has led you to more toxic places than you you've lied to yourself more than anybody you've lied and hurt yourself and led yourself to places that you never wanted to go but you continue to believe yourself so when you're back here by yourself and you have no community there's no one to help you. It's not that they're putting chains on you. It's that they're trying to help you. They're trying to lead and they're trying to guide you. You got to be careful because when you're amongst dead things, you're going to start watch as these things start leaving from you. Community starts going away from you. The dreams, the hopes, the ideas, 
The things that you wanted to do in your life now, you feel like it's just pushed away. and You're just amongst these dead things. This man, he was demon-possessed. <laughs> Living amongst tombs. Dirty. No one can bind this man. I mean, nobody can stop this man from being who he was. It was just his character. And the Bible says that day and night, he would sit there. And I think we begin to see not a picture of who the demons are, but something that is missing in the scripture is that we begin to see who this man actually is. Because the Bible says that day and night, he would, he would be amongst the tombs, and day and night, you would hear him. Ah! Ah! And the Bible says, and he would be screaming and cutting himself. So I'm trying to take my life. I'm, I'm in, I don't want to live in this anguish right now. He's under such turmoil. Such a heavy message. I got y'all. In a couple of weeks, I'll preach some happy-go-lucky stuff. I just need to spark y'all up a little bit. I need to fan the flame that's inside of you. That's the reason why these last few weeks have been heavy. And then I give you a little bit of hope. Let me dig a little bit deeper. For some of us, we're cutting ourselves and we're screaming. And nobody's listening to us because we're so isolated. But you're hurting yourself on a regular basis. It's called Jack Daniels. It's called marijuana. It, it's called Pornhub. No many, no amens. I was like, oh, he said that from church. I said that. But we're, but we're finding ourselves in a space right now where all of a sudden now we feel like we've been so marginalized. We feel like we've been pushed so far ahead. People have hurt us. People have tried to put us in chains. And we feel like we're breaking out of these things. But we're so isolated. We're so far away from everybody. Then now all of a sudden we're screaming out. We're trying to break out of this place. But man, we're hurting ourselves in the process. We're cutting ourselves with so many different things. We're cutting ourselves off from certain people. Now I no longer talk to my mom anymore because my mom keeps trying to tell me to go to church. And I cut my cousin off because my cousin keeps telling me, hey, listen, it's Jesus. And I love the Bible and I pray in the Bible and I'll, I'll be your cousin today. I love the Bible. But sometimes you just need to go to therapy. You just need to sit down with somebody and just tell them like, yo, here's where I'm at. I stood over my husband yesterday and I almost just, just in his eye. Don't giggle so loud. <laughs> Don't giggle so loud. But like, we, we got to have a conversation with somebody and we got to be real about some stuff because if not, you're going to continue to cut yourself and you're trying to kill yourself. For some of us who are in this place, it might not just be metaphoric. For some of us who are in this place, you've probably attempted it and you've shaken the bottle a couple of times in your hands. For some of them, you probably attempted it and you've tried to take your life. And you found yourself in a place, man, where I feel like everybody, the church tried to put me in handcuffs and I broke those handcuffs. And this relationship tried to put me in handcuffs and I broke it. And this therapist tried to put me in handcuffs and I broke it. And man, I feel like I'm so isolated and I'm so far. And all I do is scream out, can somebody help me? I'm, I'm just tired of this lifestyle. And I'm constantly hurting myself to the point that there's probably even blood that has dripped off your wrist because of the times that you've attempted to take your life. Can I tell you that there's a solution for this? That you don't have to live bound in this space. You don't have to find yourself living amongst the tombs. This man gave us a perfect picture of what it looks like for you to live that. It was so simple. God, it's so simple that I hope to God that you get it and you just don't marginalize it. The Bible says that this man was back here amongst the tombs. And when Jesus got off the boat, the Bible says that he, and he walked towards Jesus. Can I tell you that in the 
presence of Jesus. He can break the chains that have been holding you for so long that in the presence of Jesus, you can find healing to that depression. That in the presence of Jesus, you can find a healing towards that anxiety. That in the presence of Jesus, the very things that have been trying to kill you can subside. That in the presence of Jesus, you can find freedom. That you can truly discover your purpose. That you can find what you were created for. That you no longer have to be there, but you got to walk towards Jesus. You, you walk toward Jesus in spaces like this, for sure. Man, church is created around that. Man, we're, we're people. I'm a mess just like you a mess. But we walk hand in hand and we help each other out. You help me to grab things. I help you to smell things because we are the body of Jesus Christ and we have to be together. We do this thing together. But yo, can I tell you that there are moments in your bedroom when all these thoughts are flying through your head that these are the moments where you can eliminate the TV, Netflix. I just want to watch something that's senseless. I just want to play a video game and that you can actually put some headphones in and that you can actually begin to listen to some worship. And as you're listening to this worship, that you just begin to pray those words. Father, you're the same God. Yesterday, tomorrow, forever. You were my dad at the beginning of this thing. You saw me when I was six years old. And you walked with me through that season, Lord. And I'm 30 years old now, Lord. And I know that you're still with me. And you begin to pray the words that are happening. And all of a sudden now, what you're doing is that you're walking away from the tombs. And you're getting in the presence of God. Everything can change in the presence of God. Yo, honestly, we're a church. This is an organization. But what makes us powerful it's the presence of God. If you remove the presence of God, we're brick and mortar. We're some Chinese lights and some loud microphones. But when we have the presence of God, the one that we pray for every week, the one that when we're worshiping, we're not telling the presence of God to come into this place. We're not inviting the Holy Spirit into our church. Why? Because way before there was ever carpet building, way before there was ever a roof here, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. We're not inviting God. We're asking God to open our hearts up. We're asking God, let me sense you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would break away my chains, that you would break away my past, my depression, my preconceived notions of what my old pastor did to me. And I pray, Father, that you, as you open up my heart, that you would pour your love in me that's why we have this thing called church where we want to bring the presence of God and if we can walk you into the presence of God and, and, and listen to me some of y'all have drawn some theological lines around what that means and I know that people from different denominations have tricked you into believing that the presence of God is wrapped around some sort and some sort of tactic but the presence of God is still here. It's still available to us. We can still live inside of us. I don't care what your theological stance is. God is real. He is here. He is present. He is engaged in our everyday life. And if we open up our hearts to him, he can break the chains that the enemies has so ugly. Ugh, he's bound us with. I almost cussed the devil out in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Probably not. <laughs> but if... But if we're, if we're able to access the presence of God, the Bible says that he walks towards Jesus. And he walks towards Jesus. The Bible says that he just, he just bows down before Jesus. And he says, what do you, what do you have with me? What are you going to do with me? Why, why are you here? What, you, you, I, 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 please. And, and the Bible starts saying that these demons begin to speak. And then I love something because then we see a picture of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus didn't speak to the problem. He created a solution. What he did was that he didn't speak to the man who was bound, the one that was yelling, the one that was cutting himself. He spoke to the demonic influence that was inside of him. And he said, hey, what is your name? And, and some of y'all, y'all like, oh, the whole demon. Th this isn't Bible, bro. This isn't C.S. Lewis. <laughs> this is the Bible. The Bible says that he, he says, what's your name? And the man said, or the demons that were inside of him said, 
my name is Legion, for we are money. Legion, we are many. Legion, that's a, that's a Roman term. And the word Legion actually means about 5,000 soldiers. So what he was saying was that there's probably about 5,000 demons inside of us. So could you imagine the lifestyle that this man lived? Could you imagine the mistakes that this man made to allow for 5,000 demons to be inside of him? We've had deliverances here at the church, and we've seen some wild stuff, but I don't think we've seen 5,000 demons. That's a lot of demons. You know how many mistakes he made? How many times he hurt people? Probably murdered, probably lied, cheated people. Hurt so many different people. Yet the Bible says that he walked away from the tombs and 5,000 demons bowed before the presence of Jesus. Look at the power and the authority that Jesus carries that your mistakes cannot be stronger than Jesus. That your failures are not stronger than Jesus. But Chino, I messed up. I did. No, 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 no. Don't clap. Don't clap, Chino. I messed up. I did some stupid stuff. I was 16 and I had an abortion. That abortion would bow before the presence of Jesus. Chino, I messed up. I lied and I cheated and I stole. But that abortion, that lie, that stealing, the drug use, the alcohol use, the pornography, the, the, the homosexuality, it would bow before the presence of Jesus. If you bring it to the presence of Jesus, if you allow for it to come to the presence of Jesus, Jesus can heal it. This man says that we're legion, we're 5,000 demons. Man, you know how much 5,000 is? He made a lot of mistakes and yet they had no power over Jesus. For me to speak in my own household, it changes the way you speak in my household. What do I mean? We're playing around and we're downstairs and or, or we're, you know, I, my downstairs ain't done yet, but we're in the living room and we're having fun and we're laughing. And all of a sudden, for us, we have families in this church and people who come to my house, they always have a bunch of kids and we usually put them in the back or in the backyard. And every now and then you hear, and you hear it and you're waiting for the scream. It's scarier when it's quiet. You want to talk about scary? It's a child when they're quiet. And you're just sitting there like, what just happened? And so you send somebody, hey, go back there. And they go back there and they go to my kids and they're like, hey, what's going on here? It's like, oh. Hey, your dad said to stop playing around. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll stop playing around. We'll stop playing around. And then we go back to the living room, and all of a sudden, you're boom, 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 again. And then they go back there, and they go talk to them, and they come back. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, though, I get to the place where I'm, I've been trying to talk to somebody. I'm like, yo, give me one second. Hold on. And I walk back there. And I could be walking back there. And I promise you, it's like Levi off the top row, Randy Savage, just in the air, ready to hit him. And in the air, he'll straighten up, Jesus' name. And just, <laughs> it's dead. And the moment I speak, my authority shows forth and things change because I am the owner of that house. I carry the authority of that house. That's the very same thing that happens with Jesus. Could you imagine that 5,000 demons would bow at the presence of Jesus? Does that mean that cancer has to bow at the presence of Jesus? Does that mean that depression has to bow? Does that mean that COVID has to bow at the presence of Jesus? That the name of Jesus is strong enough to put fear in the very hearts of the enemy, of the very devil. That they will bow before the presence of Jesus. They have a conversation and the demons are like, hey, and I wish I had the time to break this down. But the demons are sitting there and they're having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus tells them, um, they ask Jesus, hey, can you do me a favor? We don't want to leave from this area. Can you just let us go into that herd of pigs? And that's super, there's so much implication there because these demons were assigned to a certain area. 
And it's crazy that you can look at certain areas and you can look at an area. Remember what I talked to you about where you live? Usually dictate, creates, and shapes the way that you live. And it's crazy that you can actually watch certain areas that are known for certain things. I mean, you can go to certain places and you're like, oh, that's this type of neighborhood. Oh, that's this type of neighborhood. And you have men and women that will walk into a space or move into a neighborhood and they have no idea because they've never had any of these issues. Now, all of a sudden, these issues are prevalent because there is something that has happened. The demon said, don't let us go from this area. We'll study that one later. I promise y'all. Y'all want to hear about that? We'll study that one later. But, but there's areas that are inundated with things, and these demons are like, yo, can you take us out? Don't take us out of this area. And the Bible says that they go into the herd of pigs. And that's important, and I think that's vital, and I think that's important. But I want to take it a step further. Because these demons, they bowed before Jesus. All of this stuff happened, and he was able to set that man free. So think about this man who for ages, everybody who knew this guy, they knew that this guy was demon-possessed. They knew that they couldn't control him. You ever met somebody like that? Invite them to Plus One Sunday. <laughs> you, these people that are like, just, you can't control them. You can't do anything about them. Every time we talk to them, they don't listen. Every, they always make the same mistakes. And everybody saw him. And they were like, yeah, man, you know, when he was eight years old, he was a little gang member. And he went to jail two times when he was eight years old. That's how bad he was. And I remember he got kicked out of school, two schools. He got kicked out of two schools when he was eight years old. And by the time he's 16 years old, that kid had been in jail nine different times. I mean, he's worthless. People try to chain him up. And every time he got out of jail, he just went right back in. He kept hurting people. He kept doing bad things. Bro, that kid, when he was 19 years old, that kid got in a gang fight. And he ended up going to prison for five years. There's nothing that you can do for that kid. That that kid is a mess and he's a disaster and he's bound with chains and he lives among the tombs but there is a moment where that kid got in the presence of Jesus there is a moment where he walked away from the tombs there is a moment where he no longer allowed for his past to keep him handcuffs there is that moment where he no longer allowed where he lived to dictate or create how he lives and that kid was able to walk into a space where now some 41 years later, he's standing on a platform on a stage in Ackworth, Georgia, preaching the gospel and giving you testimony that if God can change my life, that he can change your life, that he can remove you from the tombs, that he can make you to walk away from your dead places, that if God can do it in my life, I know he can do it in your life. That what seems discarded, ugly, messed up, what's packaged really ugly is actually a blessing. In disguise I uh I remember reading this story and I, I remember that one day I kept reading the story with the story in mind my daughter Abigail she has the we had our workshops at school and they told us that she'll read an entire chapter and when she finishes reading the entire chapter the teacher would say what did you read and she'll be like I use the bathroom you ever read the Bible and when you finish reading it, you're just like, dang it, I got to read it again. <laughs> it happens to me too. I continued to read and I found something that was super peculiar. I thought it was really good. Listen what the Bible says. Mark chapter 5. We're going to bring it up on the screens. Mark chapter 5 verses 18 through 20. Watch this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, he, has, he had set this man free. This man who was amongst the tombs. This man who was so broken and far from everything. This man has come into the presence of Jesus. God has set, Jesus has set him free. And look at what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 5 verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. 
Jesus did not let him go with him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he has had mercy on how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell them in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The Bible says that he went and went to Decapolis and told the people and everyone was amazed. And for so long I would read that and I'll be like, oh, that's amazing. Until I actually took that word Decapolis and I actually, what city is that? Does it still exist? I'm like, I hate history. I hate school. Um, God bless y'all. Don't listen to that, Levi. But, but, but I'm like, what is Decapolis? Like, I want to know what city that was. And as I started to look what was Decapolis, do you know that Decapolis, it really means 10 cities. It's a region. It's not a place. It's a region that has 10 different cities. So it would be this thought of like Northwest Metro Atlanta or whatever, right? So it would be saying like Marietta, Ackworth, Kennesaw, Canton, Woodstock, Holly Springs, Smyrna. Like it's 10 different cities. Like think about it. I'm trying to put it in modern context. 10 different cities that the Bible says that this man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. So this man who was packaged in demon-possessed clothes that looked like a problem, a mistake, herder of people is now, when I was a kid, you couldn't wear secondhand clothes. Like, I mean, it was weird for you to wear some, you couldn't even wear, like, you couldn't even, there were certain things that you would just not put on because you were embarrassed, right? As a kid, when I was a kid, or coming up in the early 80s, there were certain, you couldn't wear, you didn't want to wear your brother's shirt. You wanted your own shirt. Like a thrift shop, if you ever heard of a thrift shop, you were like, no, that's for poor people. I don't want to go to thrift shop. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You would argue with your mom. You would fight with her because you wanted the new LA gears and the Jordashes and the Z Cabarichis, you know. You know what I'm talking about. You wanted them. I, I don't want, I don't want, mom, I don't want to wear Pro Wings XJ900s. I don't want to wear Asics. I don't want to wear none of that stuff. I want to wear the cool stuff, the Nikes. I want the one with the little bubble, mom. I want to step in the LA gears with the shiny lights. Like, I want all of that. Some of the younger people are like, what? Jessica's like, what are you talking about, guy? You know what's funny is that if you fast forward the tape now, I would pay. If you're watching online, if you're here, I would pay somebody to give me some XJ900, some Pro Wings. I will rock them things. There's certain Nikes now that people wear that cost so much money that when I was a kid, people would look at them and be like, oh, you got the Bobo Nikes. <laughs> thrift shops were embarrassing. I am a thrift shop connoisseur. I will walk into a thrift shop and it's like I scan, like I have radar. I'm like, beep, 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 beep. What is that? I like, I can walk into a thrift shop now. I was reading the story that can you believe that in thrift shops in the United States, just last year, hundreds of millions of dollars were made just from the clothes that were sold in thrift shops. Do you know that people have found Picasso paintings in thrift shops? People have literally found diamond rings in thrift shops. I mean, people have found some... One guy found a quilt. I remember I preached about this a million years ago. And it was, they found a quilt. 
And he was like, oh, this quilt, you know, it's really nice. It's, you know, we, we got it. And I just had it for my family. You know, the one you put in your living room because you like it. My wife falls asleep on it all the time. And just put the little quilt on. And that quilt, one day he's watching Rags to Riches. It's like a show about like thrift shop or, or things that like were cheap, but really cost a lot of money. And they saw the quilt and they were like, oh my God, that looks just like the quilt that I got on. And out of curiosity, they decided, let's take this to, a, to one of these dealers. That thing was worth $5 million at a thrift shop. I've gone to thrift shops and I found shoes that were worth four and $500. And my wife is like, sell them. I'm like, no, I like them. <laughs> I'm a hoarder, y'all. I'm a hoarder. Pray for me. What's crazy is that when you think of a thrift shop, you think of things that were handed down secondhand that all of a sudden become like these really important pieces of your life where you start wearing that sweater more than you ever wore. In our own personal life, sometimes we can feel like we're thrift items that we've just been passed from hand to hand, from relationship to relationship, from job to job. Sometimes we can feel like we're just these thrift items. But man, there's so much gold. There's so much purpose inside of you. There's so much dreams. That, there's so many things inside of you that God wants to birth. That if we go thrifting, we, we might find a little eight-year-old gang member. That if we go thrifting, we might find a 16-year-old girl that has had sex a couple of times. And she's broken because people have lied to her she's probably an evangelist we might find a baby that got sold for twenty dollars because his mom was a crackhead and sold them for twenty dollars and now reggie dabs is preaching all over the world the gospel of jesus if we go thrifting we might find some stuff but we also might change the capitalists What would happen if the church would wake up and begin to tell people what Jesus did for them? The evidence and what I think the Bible says in two different circumstances, the lame man from last week and today, is that the Bible says, and, and everyone was amazed. Well, what if we would amaze some people? What, what if we went thrifting and started watching God do some incredible things? What if our life was to change because we allowed for our insecurities, our pride to be put down and we actually began to speak to somebody and invite them to the kingdom and that young man would be the one that would change the area in which you live in. What would happen if we go thrifting? For some of us, that sounds great and we're inspired. We're like, yo, I'm ready. I'm inviting somebody next Sunday. I'm, 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 I'm do a Bible study on Wednesday. I'm coming, I'm bringing somebody. But for some of us, we're listening to this message and the entire time that we've been listening to this message we kind of just been back here and we've been hiding behind some dead things do you know I can't invite nobody you don't even know me bro you don't know the mistakes that I made do you know I get it but man I, I came to this church because somebody invited me and honestly like I'm you don't know me <laughs> I'm gonna screw it up just like I screw everything else up Eventually, you're going to get to know the real me. And when you get to know the real me, you're not going to like me. So why would I even try? And you've been living behind these tombs for so long. Man, would you, would you come out of the tombs? Man, there's so much purpose inside of you. There's so much destiny inside of you. 
Man, God has a plan. He has a purpose. There are things that he wants to do inside of you. He wants to break the chain of addiction over your life. He wants to heal your broken places. And all he's asking is for you to come out of the tombs, for you to come out of those living or those dead places, and for you to just come to the presence of Jesus. That's all he's asking. How does this happen? I can show you in scripture. Listen what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you shall be saved. Like listen. You paying tithes at a church. That doesn't save you. Make sure you pay your tithes. Though. Like you. Listen to me. You, you, you dressing in all white. And knowing all the latest songs. And all the scriptures. and knowing That doesn't save you. None of that saves you. It's Jesus who saves you. It's the power of God. We don't do anything to earn that. We receive that. And the way we receive it, the only way that we can be saved is by faith. That's the only way that we can receive it. How do we walk out of the tombs? We walk out of the tomb by faith. He could have looked at Jesus and he could have probably thought, yo, this is the same thing that's going to happen again. Here's another guy that's going to laugh at me. Here's another guy that's going to scream at me. Here's another guy that's going to try to place chains on me. But he bowed before the presence of Jesus. Even demons will bow down. And this man was set free. What would happen if you gave your heart to Jesus? What would happen if you brought it to the presence of Jesus? What I tell you that will happen is that you'll be set free. You'll change the capitalist. Starting with your own home. Starting with your own life. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.